<laughs> Welcome to We've Got Issues, Girl. We are a weekly podcast for women who are curious about politics. And we had some technical difficulties, so we're not live on our new YouTube channel, but we are live on Facebook right now. So hopefully there's some people going to tune in and, and chit-chat with us um, as we get rolling. But my name is Carrie. And my name is Sky, and today we are joined by Caroline or Carly, you go by Miller, and Mary Cloud, opera singers, yes. and I'm so excited. I know, I tried to do a little sing-songy hello for y'all, <laughs> but I'm not sure it really went over well. But um, there's a virtual concert coming up. I'm so excited to hear about this. It's called Nevertheless, We Persisted. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. When um, oh. Becky told us about this podcast, both of our like little feminist political hearts like fluttered a lot. So we're <laughs> really excited. I love kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And we were t chatting earlier. I mean, usually we have elected officials on or people involved in politics and we've never had opera singers on yet. So this is really kind of interesting. And I love this idea of talking about how politics influences the arts and arts can influence politics, vice versa. And we want to hear more about your show. But first, be, to get started, why don't um, why don't we start with Carly and tell us just a little about yourself and um, your residency at the Toledo Opera? Yeah, my full name is Caroline Miller. Everyone calls me Carly because I'm just I can never stick to it. It feels weird. <laughs> but I love I was really lucky. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to get one of these residencies. So actually, last year before last, I was in Germany auditioning, kind of seeing what that was like. They give way more money to the arts. Um, oh, and I was in Heidelberg when I got an email because I had sent in a video audition from Toledo. And I, my husband was visiting. And I was like, I just got to check on this rejection real quick before we go to dinner. <laughs> and that's, how it is. that's, you know, how you stay, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, are you okay? I was like, it's not a rejection. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. I went to Germany for work and then got work in America. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, singing Gretel. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of Perfect. felt like kismet. I have family there and it's been like a really special program because they have treated us not just like voices, but like fully formed artists. Actually, cool. your dad, Skylar, was like, yes. and he's like, I want you guys to tell us what you want. Tell us what you need. Tell us the stories you want to tell and where you want to tell them we'll help you and it was like incredibly inspiring and that's kind of where the seed was planted for mary and i it definitely was for this yeah that's awesome so how about you mary tell us a little bit about yourself um I, just going off of carly's story i have of course a similar i mean not all the way in germany but i have a similar situation of like I was at work, like at my non-music job, just to like make money. I was shipping for like a dress company and I was just at work and like bored. And just like, I got the notification. I was like, let me check on this rejection. Like you said, and like had to leave the warehouse <laughs> and like call everybody that I knew. Like I just was like not at work anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I totally echo everything that Carly just said. It, it, being in Toledo, not just the like, not just Toledo Opera, but being in Toledo is such a great experience. I feel like it's a very, I just felt supported in like so many areas of the community. Um, and it was so awesome to meet the like many people who lived there or who live there and are involved in the arts. And uh, 
uh, as Sky knows, my husband grew up in Maumee. And so now I have just like multiple connections with Toledo. And it, it's just, it's great. It's a good community. Yeah. It's a really special community. I like, but not just Toledo Opera, but through Toledo Opera, we met Dr. Alyssa Greenberg, who's like this incredible mm -hmm. activist. I met this, uh, I do Ariel for fun, and I met um, Aaron Garber Pearson, yeah, and we cool. like did a collaboration. And it's just like, after being in such a giant world, it's been like yeah. really invigorating and inspiring to be in a smaller world that still has like the arts totally. going, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously, this pandemic has changed a lot for all of us, um, but particularly for the arts and for live performances. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about your upcoming virtual performance, but what else has kind of changed for you guys or what has, what has been the most challenging as a, a live onstage performer? I mean, what, what has been the most challenging? Mary, you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of named one of the main things is that our job was essentially erased in like overnight. I mean, not overnight, but you know, that's what it felt like. It um, <laughs> yeah. And like, like singers are like the most, like if a singer has COVID, like you, they're, you don't want anyone to sing at you with COVID, you know, like we're the most dangerous. We are like, like, yeah, we're like a conference spreader. about the fact that singing will be the last thing to come back. We suck in air and then we spew it forth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so then for me in particular, I actually, the, the other, uh, I'd say equally, um, challenging thing for me was that I had COVID actually for oh, 50 wow. days. Yes. Um, not the two weeks that everyone will tell you about. There's actually many, many people who get even mild cases, but that lasts for a very long time. And so I've never been that sick in my life and being sick with something that is like, not much is known about it. That's I've, that's also a new experience for me. Um, so everyone wear your masks and take care of each other because nobody wants this. And <laughs> yeah, we weren't sure that Mary could do this concert. Either. Yeah, I actually almost, we almost had to like find another mezzo because I had shortness of breath for like 50 days. I like did not oh know God. when it was going to stop. Yeah. And she would Are talk to me. Better now? I'm doing better now. Yeah. I think sometimes I have like uh, PTSD shortness of breath. Like, like sometimes I will just like, like that will happen because I'm nervous, but I had it. I like tested positive twice and everything. And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. She would talk to me about how she had to keep on reminding herself to breathe. Yeah. yeah. Like there, cause that, like a, a big COVID thing is the weakness too. And so then like your body, it just, it just, yeah, it's bad. Nobody wants it again. Yeah. <laughs> I would say for, for me and for a lot of singers, the biggest adjustment is, listen, most singers aren't making their full income singing. Even like I would, I've been full-time singing now for about a year and a half after being a professional singer for 10 years. Um, and I finally figured it out. We're all hitting our stride. There's like yes. momentum happening. And all of the side jobs that you pick up between gigs, those are all in person too. Yep. Those are catering. I do background work for movies and television. Those are like... I was in the service industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's gone. And I think what's happening and what I hear a lot of people talking about, and I think about this too, is do I have to get another job? How long is that job going to be? Is there going to be room left in this industry for me when it starts up? Because it could be years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, being a singer is asking yourself that question every day already. Uh, yeah. Can I afford to do this? Is 
the is it fulfilling enough to balance out the hard and then you add COVID in and you like you finally figured all that out and you're just like this might just not be in the cards for this generation of yeah yeah now I think it is but I think it's going to take things like this it's going to take a big push and a lot of support of each other to survive this because when the only regular singing performing singing job in the country is the Met Chorus and they have no job Mm -hmm. it's wild Mm -hmm. it is so wild yep so opera is often seen as perhaps um like for only for people of privilege, right? It's expensive to buy tickets. So, I mean, it's kind of, there's a stigma around opera that you have to be some wealthy white person in order to see the shows. And now that performances are going virtually, I think about this a lot um, with Hamilton, the movie being on, I know it's not opera, but it's a musical, but I love Hamilton. on <laughs> Disney Plus and so many people watched it because they're able to stream it now where before they might not have been able to afford to go to a Broadway musical. Plus like Hamilton was sold out for like a year or two. So like no one could even get tickets anyways, but I'm hearing like, and I see it on social media where people are like, wow, this is, so this is what a musical is. So this is what opera is. I would have never gotten the opportunity if it hadn't gone virtually. So it, what, like, tell us a little bit about how virtual performances are changing things for the audience too, and maybe making it a little more inclusive. I would love to talk about this um, because that's something I think a lot of us had recognized for a while. About yeah. five years ago, I started a nonprofit called the Pleiades Project, and our mission is to tell women's stories and to bring opera to a wider audience. And we do that by creating opera films, digital content that is free for everybody. Uh, because you're right, it takes money to get a lot of money to get in the door. And not just that, you're dealing with barriers of language. You're dealing with barriers of like, I've never heard anyone make that kind of sound before. Mm-hmm. And anytime you hear something new, it's hard to connect with that, right? Um, and I think the hard thing about digital content that I think we're also going to continue to figure out is there is one, there is something special about being in the room with an opera voice. You can literally feel it in your body. Yeah. But I, you can also hear some amazing things online, like, Every opera singer studies with YouTube. Um, so I think it's going to be instrumental in getting it out to more voices, in addition to what companies like Toledo do, sending programs to kids so they can see it when they're young and they know it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I also think uh, I love what Carla, everything that Carly just said. And I, I think um, obviously uh, concerts like this and, and online content is going to make it much more financially feasible for people. But I still think that beyond that, um, and this is something that would still be true, even if it wasn't that most opera had to go digital now, is that I think we still have a huge representation problem in opera. Um, it is It is financially a difficult field to get into. It is a very costly field to get into. And so that like people without privilege, like it, it is almost sometimes like, like a non-starter, like you, like it just is impossible. Um, And I think the only way that's going to change is to change the like entryway, like the gatekeepers. And then also to have um, people of color, black people in all facets of opera, like on boards and and women, of course, and women, um, 
on the boards, conductors, singers, and uh, lighting designers. Even further than that is once you have a job in opera to mm-hmm. pay singers a living wage because we do yeah. not get I mean, yes. <laughs> Which means that like I worked at Apple for four years before I gave up that job and I had to turn down some jobs because I couldn't lose my Apple job. Yeah. And yeah. that happens to a ton of singers. Yeah. And that's yeah. not just opera companies. Opera companies yeah. aren't getting the funding they need from government. They're not getting the donors. So it's yeah. it's an economic problem. That yeah. is, I believe that that is at the heart of it. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I think that even, not even just opera, right? Like all arts yes. um, are yeah. not well funded in this country. And mm-hmm. um, you go to Germany so and an that's not crazy. Path. It's not crazy yeah. in Germany that that's just your full-time job. And people don't look at you like you're crazy. You tell yeah. people you're an opera singer here and they're like, you're like a rare bird. Or, and you're like, I don't know. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it looks like we lost Sky. She's I know some, um, technical issues. Um, so I'm not sure if she's gonna be able to come back or not. But um, she says just keep going. So <laughs> she might, she okay. might come back in if she if she can. Um, she's got some internet struggles today. Um, okay. So this next month, August marks 100 years of women's suffrage in the United States. And so, but also, like, I don't want to go any further without identifying that 100 years ago, women who first got the right to vote were white women. It took African-American women a lot longer to get their chance to vote. African-American women could technically vote. Uh, The women that actually got their right to vote last were Native American women. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So I don't don't want to glaze over that, too, because often that is... um, missed yes. when we talk Left about uh, women's suffrage however huge deal women finally got a right the right to vote and you guys are in a virtual performance or virtual concert um called nevertheless we persist which i love that because that's is kind of a quote um that was taken from like what someone said about elizabeth warren yep. so that's awesome. <laughs> will you tell us a little bit about the show first of all and what can we expect and also i want to know is this show like was it intended to be virtual or was it is it like adapted to be virtual (laughs) me (laughs) yes um that is uh, a question that we have thought a lot about (laughs) um so at its core um we this this concert we picked pieces from the classical and contemporary operatic uh repertoire to tell women's stories and the way and and depict the way that women have been perceived throughout history. Um, And so that's just like the, that's where we started. Um, And then it kind of evolved into um, since we found this piece by Lori Laitman, Carly found this piece by Lori Laitman entitled our women and people. And then that sort of made us realize, Oh, it's also the centennial of women's suffrage. And so then that gave it, more of a shape yeah that was kind of the heartbeat of the whole thing. yeah yeah and um and so carly you take it from there yeah so the cool thing it was all actually for we were pitching um off the beaten path this concert series and there um our choir director justin bays was has been incredibly supportive and he's like you guys should pitch them something the resident artist you should and i was like yes programming so um <laughs> It was hi. <laughs> here, I don't know what's happening. I love you guys though. I was listening on my phone, like trying to get the internet to work. It's really hard to pick feminist content from the canon. There's not a lot. 
the can is a whole other discussion. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we kind of, between like that main centerpiece, and then also we're using some pieces that aren't feminist at all as kind of a foil. So our tenor is singing this piece called Cuesta Ocuela, in which all women are the same. They're just It being, doesn't matter. Just a woman. We're putting that next to this aria by Poulenc, in which she's like, I'm done being a woman. If this is what it is to be a woman, I'm going to be a man and make my own decisions. Which, if you think about it, at its core, is not feminist. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> at its core, she has to not be a woman. To right. have her yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It was just really exciting to have the opportunity to put this thing that Mary and I think about all the time into our music. Because mm -hmm. most of the time, I'm playing a sexy soprano or the quirky cousin, and Mary is playing a boy. A boy. <laughs> really? Wow. Um, yeah, and another thing that I think is interesting about, I, I've been reflecting about a lot about our program is that I think just the the way the program itself is kind of uh, uncovers how much work opera still needs to do in telling women's mm -hmm. stories. And it kind of, it, I mean, it makes me excited to like, for new composers and new librettists to continue writing women's stories. Yeah, the only piece that's truly what, the only piece that is at the center of what we wanted to do is the contemporary Laura Leitman piece. Mm -hmm. um, and you were right, by the way, Carrie, uh, the women's suffrage movement is fascinating. It was a hundred years long and it sucked. It was like amazing <laughs> and so upsetting. I'm writing a suffrage show for my nonprofit also. So I'm like deep well, in cool. this. And cool. <laughs> It's so upsetting yeah. because there were some originally feminine uh, suffragists were um, joined with the abolitionist movement. They were fighting for the same thing. They were fighting for universal suffrage. Yeah. And then uh, Frederick Douglass, by the way, was at Seneca Falls. He's like one of my favorite suffragists. Mm -hmm. um, then it came to the 14th and 15th Amendment, giving mm -hmm. African-Americans right to citizenship and the right to vote. And mm -hmm. the... Uh, the opposite party was not going to accept black voters and women voters at the same time. And yeah. so Frederick Douglass made a really good case, which I agree with, and which we are still having this discussion today. Listen, yep. my people are dying. My mm. people are getting lynched. And you're like, women need the vote as well, but you are not in physical danger. Mm -hmm. Just not. And mm -hmm. actually, there's a big split in the suffrage movement. Elizabeth Katie Stanton yep. and Susan B. Anthony were racist as fuck. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, we were. but we're educated. Yeah. yeah. And, and Lucretia Mott went another direction. She's like, no, they're right. Mm -hmm. um, God, don't we see that like echoed in society today, is, too? Yes. The absolutely. center of this story. Yeah. And yeah. we're, guys, right? We do we do see parallels right now because we're living through yeah. another yeah. civil rights movement, right? With the Black Lives Matter movement, and um, you know, reading more about women's suffrage, and then but seeing the police brutality that's happening mm -hmm. at this very day, and the protests, and even hearing people talk about the protesters saying things like, why are they protesting? Why are they looting? They're not going to get anything accomplished. It's like, hello, this is his I, I had a family oh. member ask me, what do the protesters want? Their yeah. family member. I was like, I think they want to feel safe. Yeah. To live. And I think, I think as a ardent feminist and as a white woman, I think the priority has to be women of color. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Because they are dealing with two things. And actually, I've done a ton of research on black suffragists, as um, Mary has. Mm 
-hmm. And you know, it's really hard to find exciting rhetoric from black suffragists. You know why? Because it was all co-opted. <laughs> Not just yeah. that, because they were busy. Like Ida B. Wells is a black suffragist, but all of her most exciting speeches were about anti-lynching because that was the mm -hmm. priority and it had yeah. to be the priority for black women. Mm -hmm. Black women yeah. organized mother's groups. They made sure that their communities had food and water and education. They were doing the on the grounds, less exciting, less highfalutant work of making their society livable. And so when you do the research, it looks like they weren't there, but really they were doing the most important everyday work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Wow. So you, so what, I was going to ask what you've done to prepare for this role, but it sounds like <laughs> kind of research. <laughs> yeah. In the history. And there's so, it's, it, there's so much more to do. It's a hundred year movement. Yeah. And yeah. it's half the population. Like, just like all feminists at the Women's March, they're all there for different reasons. There's as many yeah. different reasons. It, like, women are not a monolith, as we know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're all trying to get this thing passed for different reasons. And some of them are really racist and some of them are not. And some of them are just yeah. like, trying to stay alive. And they got in each other's way a lot. Actually, if you if you haven't checked out Mrs. America, it just happened all over again. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I have. That's a really, that's a great show. And, and that's I need that on my list for sure. Yeah. But that's right. Why the whole reason that we Sky and I started this podcast too is because often when you hear of like women's rights or women's issues, you it, your mind go jumps straight to reproductive rights, right? Like it yep. jumps straight mm. to and it's like no, women's rights are so much bigger than that, and women's issues are at all issues. They're human I mean, issues. Yeah, right. They're human. And issues. Everything is political in our lives. Yes. Yeah. Political access to that is political. I mean, mm -hmm. tell me what like, she said. <laughs> Oh no! Oh. Sky Sky says that everything is is political. Even opera is political. Opera is political. Um, yeah. which, so tell us more about because this is not the first like political opera. Obviously, tell us more about like. I mean, I know this wasn't a question in advance, so if you're not prepared for this, oh, you can hit us, hit us, move on. But I, Do I think it. you guys are. Um, like the arts being political and or the arts influencing politics in a way. I mean, people don't often. Think about this unless you're you know you have a career in the arts i'm i don't know if you often think about this so tell us more about like politicizing the opera or opera influencing politics i mean i personally don't i think like everything touches everything else and so like you don't even have to try to politicize opera like an artist like making a piece of art and making a statement is going to be influenced by his or her surroundings and and like and so they are even if they like consciously or unconsciously are going to be making some sort of political statement because nothing is just like in a separate box from like politics and social issues listen is arts the artists tell stories that's all we do yeah we do it in lots of different ways with lots of different yeah. words and sounds but we tell stories and the stories that we yeah. choose to tell matter. And essentially, mm -hmm. also, opera is a super conservative art form for a lot of reasons. A, it's just it is now. a yeah. lot of moving parts. It takes a lot of money. Who has a lot of mm -hmm. money? Generally conservative people. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, like, it's like turning a barge, right? It's going to take a really long time. And mm -hmm. it's constantly doing this dance of, I need to have enough money to function, but I want to tell stories that matter. Um, and I think a lot of companies are really handling this fairly well, but I think beyond it's a what stories do we choose to tell and b who are we going to have tell those stories 
Yeah. And I, I also do sort of think it doesn't always have to take as much money as it does as, as opera produce. in its current state. Yeah, Carly, you produce, I produce films. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> now, granted, once you have people involved, like if you're paying an orchestra, if you're paying yeah. an actress, you're, there is obviously. just a you know, a bottom that's yeah. still pretty high there. Yeah. But there are a lot of great chamber operas out there. Mary, tell them yeah. about that piece that you are dying to do. Yes. So I'm, I'm dying to do it. If anyone's doing and wants to hire me. Um, <laughs> it's, called, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's called As One. Um, and it is about a uh, transgender woman's life from, I believe, um, like, eight years old to uh like through her transition and it is really beautiful it's it's for and it's for chamber um ensemble and then a, just a baritone and a mezzo soprano and so oh. like that could be produced for not nearly as much money as like a, a full-scale opera with chorus sure. and it's an important story that really needs to be told in opera um that that doesn't exist in opera before very recently yeah. there is incredible yeah. new opera being written i think this, mm -hmm. there's a canon problem in opera and it's not just a problem. The canon is full of incredible music, right? And it's, it's lasted cause it's amazing, but mm -hmm. it's by definition going to represent a time and a period that we have, we've proceeded past. And yeah. there is a lot of people that want to reinvent the canon. And I think that there is value in that. I, I have these fights with my friend because she's just done. <laughs> she's like, I, want, I just want new stories. Um, yeah. and so that is another way that the opera is political is like, is it worth doing these older works that patrons love and are super beautiful? And I think it is, but I just think they can't be the only thing you do. So you have companies like Toledo. I know Fort Worth does this, LA Opera. They'll do a mix of like, here's yeah. Lab OM. And it's yeah. amazing. And mm -hmm. I was watching Turn Turndo. Turndo, the story mm -hmm. to me, it's like a marriage story. But and I was, doesn't expect it to be moved. And it's amazing. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. But it can't well, be the only thing we do. And I do think there we're starting to get the message there. Yeah. And Toledo did I dream. What was that? Yeah. Three years ago, two years yeah, ago. And that was Yeah. Just so beautiful about the life of Dr. Martin Luther King. And then um I I feel like they started really honing in on this idea of helping make opera accessible in a way that is um like learning with young people and bringing it to the community when they did Porgy and Bess a few years ago too. Yeah. Porgy and Bess and I Dream. Yeah. Those were really good ones. And then um, this year was supposed to, cause um, the, so the Toledo opera reached out to us a few months ago to do a podcast around the Scalia Ginsburg. Yeah. Opera. Um, this was my role. <laughs> I know that was her role. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no. Oh gosh, that was something we were really excited for too, and of course everything had to be canceled um, because mm -hmm. of COVID. Yeah. But um, that would be because that show was about like their unlikely friendship, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't think people really know that they were friends actually off mm -hmm. the court and uh, bonded over opera, right? Like that's yeah. what they yeah. mostly had in common. So exactly. um, maybe. So wait, maybe did you, Carly? Did Carly play RBG? Was Carly going to be no. RBG? No. No, no. I was sorry. It's a, it was a dual uh, program. So it was going to be Scalia Ginsburg and Trial by Jury. And I was in trial. Oh, that's right. Um, I was yeah. the plaintiff suing my husband for jilting me. Oh, <laughs> cool. 
So there's the other side of that coin. A very okay. important role. Yeah. A very important role. <laughs> I mean, it's super fun. You need both. You really need both. Yeah. 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 So what does social justice mean to you guys? And how, like, how can you incorporate social justice or social justice movements into the opera? And, and do you take that off the stage with you as well? Um, I think it's incredibly important. And actually, the last kind of piece of our show that we just nailed down is we were like, okay, I, I, uh, I'm a big Beth Morrison fan. And I, something that she always asks her composers is, why this story and why now? So um, we were asking ourselves, why this story? the you know centennial why now it's a centennial but but why now now and so we really wanted to kind of reflect on this in this moment and get some more voices that aren't ours that aren't in opera that aren't white women mm -hmm. um and so we have a couple activists from toledo who are going to do poetry um as part of this concert to kind of relate to this present moment and be a little bit of a lens through which we see this um so that's one way it's like interesting programming like Digital programming could be anything you want. Um, oh, totally. Another way that I'm trying to do with my company is, you know, on your on our social media, we highlight artists, and we are really focusing as much as possible on lifting up women of color. Um, and I think that that's really important because if they're not already getting the viewpoint they need, like I'm not going to tell a black woman's story, but I will do my best to to make sure people are listening. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and I um. I think, again, like we were saying with, I forget what subject it was, but um, social justice it, for me on and off stage is, this, is it's the same. It's, it's like a mindset rather than like, oh, now I put my social justice cap on and I do the social justice thing. Like it, it's a mindset that you have to constantly be aware of, am I... Um, like of the space that you're taking up and am I lifting up voices that have been historically silenced and like making room for that and um, to I me it's just asking the question it's like taking the extra five minutes to ask yourself those questions mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I think I think also though um, I'm I've been recently especially trying to make it a, a daily like what because I don't think social justice can be really called social justice without action. And so every day waking up and being like, what is at least one action that I can do either in my art or like in any area of my life to like actually be able to say that I am fighting for social justice? Yeah. Yeah. So our and so you guys go ahead, Scott. You guys do some work around labor issues am i maybe i'm hearing that totally wrong but labor issues within like opera and people who are singing and acting and all of that kind of stuff do you guys do any work with labor issues around that and i have not been like super involved i want to get involved in that though because that is a huge that's a huge thing what, yeah, <laughs> Uh, labor oh. labor issues in in the opera. I mean, they kind of touched on being paid um, like fair wages or a livable no. salary. But um, I have so yeah. in my nonprofit, my goal is I get paid less. I have yet to be paid. My artists <laughs> always get paid, and I'm not going to do a project unless I can afford to pay an artist. Now I can't pay them what Arizona Opera is going to pay them, but I can pay them something fair for that. Their time is a, and singers employ pianists all the time. 
Yeah. So pianists regularly get paid. <laughs> and I always yeah, sure yeah. that's fair. But um, I don't know, just like speaking out when it comes up, you know, like saying the true thing, which is, you know, some people are embarrassed that like, no, I don't make a lot of money because money is connected with success. And if you're not making a lot of money, you must not be a successful opera singer. And I just yeah. think transparency is number one in a lot of this. Just being like, hey, this is this is what I'm making. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the comments, for some reason, we can't see the comments on the side, but we have some um, people watching that I think you guys know. Um, <laughs> ah! Suzanne Warwick is in the comments. I can see. Oh, no, yeah. I don't see this. So Suzanne Rorick says, um, as one is on the list of future productions, which I don't know what that is. Tell me what as one is. That's what she was telling you about. That's the one about the transgender That's one. one. Cool. Oh, cool. Well, maybe you can come back for that then. Cool. Um, and then Dave Beckwith is in the comments and he says um, that of opera course. connects old stories to today's stories and that's what the Toledo Opera tries to do is to make the connections between the old stories and the new stories Absolutely. and then Dr. Alyssa Greenberg is watching and she has a question for you guys what does the opera field need to do to engage millennials and Gen Z with opera what should regional opera companies like Toledo do to engage this new audience I mean, Ooh. I think hey, the pandemic could help, right? I think lean into digital content, lean into shorter form content. Um, I think that I, it can't be overstated how important those school programs are. And they are already mm -hmm. doing that. And a lot of companies are already doing that. But you're right. There's a gap between like younger kids and adults. And I think just meeting people where they are. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to give this away, but I have a dream to make like a drunk opera series, like drunk history. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The sky is the limit. There's so much incredible content that people want to click on right now. It is so easy to introduce like one of the coolest art forms in the world to that. Like it just makes yeah. everything more epic opera really. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also think again, with your earlier question about how do you, uh, like millennials are interested. I mean, everyone is interested in social justice, but like, millennials and uh, like young people are very, very interested in social justice and especially in this moment and to bring, to connect more things with social justice and increase representation of different types of people. I honestly think that will get younger people involved as well. Actually, if you want to see a great um, digital concert that's currently available, my, a friend of mine, Denisha, who's been our Ophelie, because we had a short film called Ophelie. She just did a, um, a concert with Arbeit Opera Theater um, what is it? We did, we out. Uh, it's called We Out. It's based on Harriet Tubman, but it's all um, it's all black artists doing a lot of work by black artists, poets, and composers. And you know what's amazing? You've heard some of the spirituals, but there's all this incredible music that's like so stunning that I have never heard before. And it is cool. free right now. So like, there is a lot of. We'll cool get stuff the link. Happening. We're gonna link to it. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll post that. Yeah, yeah. So before we go. We need to know where we can see Nevertheless We Persist and how we can tune into that and when it is. So tell us, give us your little pitch for Nevertheless We Persist. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it will be uh, released through St. Michael's in the Hills Episcopal Church and it will be on their YouTube channel. And I'm assuming they will post the links to that on their both their Instagram and Facebook. So you can follow them on those two channels. Um, the first it's going to be in three episodes and the first episode will be um, being released on August 12th. 
I got that all right, Carly. Yes, you did. You <laughs> yeah, each, uh, we wanted to make like, people are just more likely to tune in for like 10 minutes, 12 minutes than an hour. So, and also August is big for the ratification. There's like a lot of confusing dates, like Tennessee ratified the 18th, then it came the law of the land, the 26th. So we're just like, yeah. we got the whole month. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be really fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're going to link to that show too, um, because I'm really interested in, in watching it because I think um, I think it's really cool. And it's a great way to kind yeah. of um, celebrate the 100 years of uh women having the right to vote. And uh, it's a new experience, I think, hopefully for a lot of our listeners too, to tune into opera, um, to, yeah, increase, increase and, viewership there. Oh, Sky, yeah. How can we connect with both of you individually and see what work you're continuing to do after this whole process? Yeah, where can we follow you? Mm -hmm. Carly. Oh, hi. Well, you can go, my main output at this point is the Pleiades Project. So, okay. I will type that. Well, it's P L E I A D E S, the Pleiades Project, at the Pleiades okay. Project, all those things. And I am at Miller Carly on Instagram. Okay. Cool. And I on Instagram am at Mira Clouds, but I think you can type Mary Cloud and you will find me as well. Um, and then my website is MaryCloudMezzo at com. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is a really cool episode, and we're excited to see your show on August 12th. I can't um, wait. Thank and best of luck, too. Like, I hope you guys can get on the stage again soon. <laughs> like, no, do, like, thank you. Someday. We're all going to figure it out yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having us. We are yes, really great. part of this. Thanks. Really so this has been a... Girls Girls Media Production. Uh, we are We've Got Issues Girl is a weekly podcast. So tune in next week for a brand new episode. Hopefully we'll be live again here. Um, our music today is by Breakmaster Cylinder, as always. And don't forget to check your voter registration because we're getting mm -hmm. close to every single deadline. Um, and also, uh, <laughs> if you are interested in being part of a kick-ass girl group online on Facebook, uh, head to girlsgirlscommunity.com and get signed up. Um, with all of our other fellow uh, podcast hosts like Girls Girls and Atta Girl and Glow Girl. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for everybody in the comments today. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye.